It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! Research and development. Putting in the man hours to study the science of what you need. Last week, we put liquid paper on a bee. And it died. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup! Can I tell you something without you getting angry? I love you. Yeah, you big guy. Welcome back in, everybody. Another edition of the 40 Chess Dynasty Football Podcast coming at you right now. Episode 33. As always, the big hairy grizzly bear, the Teardown King, here with you, talking to you now. You can find me on Twitter at Michael. And of course, I'm joined by my best bud, a guy who I just got back from spending a week with him and his wonderful, wonderful family while we were at the Fantasy Football Expo for a few days. My man, Adam. You can find him on Twitter, at ATM4DChess. How we doing tonight, buddy? Feels like uh, we were just in the same room together, and now we're uh, in different states. It feels like, you know, you were just in this room yesterday, and also, you know, it's like I just dropped you off at the airport yesterday, and my wife's like, all right, you know, that was fun. I liked your friend. He was really cool. Like, I'm glad he was here. And then, you know, she's ready to hang out with me, and guess what, buddy? That the very next day, we're down here recording, getting right back to 4D, the favorite thing for me of the week, 4D Chess Podcast. Let's go, baby. Uh, for some reason, I had the Drake song nonstop playing in my head when you said, like, we're back at it again. <laughs> yeah, it's You know, it's hard to go back at it when you never left. I guess I should rephrase. That's true. If you never stop, it ain't really going back at it. But, buddy, buddy, I had a great time at the expo, not going to lie. Almost had the waterworks when you dropped me off at the airport yesterday, but I made it through, made it through the airport, got home safe and sound right around midnight last night, so finally got back, got to sleep in my own bed, and that felt really good. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. The most important thing, I got to shit in my own toilet. I stopped blowing up your bathroom. <laughs> it's back on me now. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, it, it, it's, uh, it was one of those things where that that week was really fun. We got to meet a lot of cool people at the expo. The expo was a blast. Getting to kick it with you and all the guys on our squad, you know, it was a lot of a lot of fun. But back to reality, man, work was a uh, was a chore today. I'm not going to lie to you, but guess what? Back here for the fun. Right, one thing I wanted to talk about and wanted to bring the people um, that's just kind of been spinning around in my head here, and uh, I'll probably feature a piece in the, the newsletter. So the 
market of your league, right? We talk about knowing your league mates, right? We we did a podcast on that, knowing your league mates. Do you think, from your perspective, Adam, there's any truth to the fact that you can push or pull the market, adjust the market, set the market yourself if you're a savvy enough manager? So, like, one of the things I like to do for people who know me and, you know, if you know me and you've been in leagues with me, like, and you've done it before, Adam, but I guess I'm, like, notorious for it, is the QB hoard, right? <laughs> the old QB hoard and setting the market the way I see fit for quarterbacks. You know, I generally do that in the in the startup, right? Because I'll just, for me, I'll just be sitting there looking and start counting, like, how many quarterbacks people are taking. Are, is everybody else fading the position? Like, there's no quarterbacks going in rounds three, four, or five. All right, now y'all about to get done. <laughs> I'm just going to start gobbling them up, all of them. And then when you need one, there's only one man to see. It's me. And you come and you pay my price. Do you do you think in other forms there's a way that you can push or pull or set the market value on your players? Like I've seen you do it with, uh, with elite tight ends before mm-hmm. where you kind of just kind of corner the market. And it's not to the extreme of like six of them, right? But you get three out of the top five shit. I really want a top five wide receiver, and there's only uh, five or top five uh, tight end, and there's only five of them. Adam's got three of them. <laughs> I'm kind of screwed if I want if I want one. Like I got to pay his prices. Do you think, truthfully, or have you done it in the past, like I, that you can set the market? Y- yes, I would say the answer is yes. Um, for me too, I think Mike, what you're hitting on here is is something that maybe is overlooked a lot of times when we talk about dynasty or values. Everybody hits you with a generic trade, you know, uh, X player for Y pick, which one do you want? Right? Pick a side. And there's nothing there that separates just a generic question, right? League settings, all that stuff. But when you're talking about this here, league, knowing your league mates. And then one thing for me is how can I manipulate the values? Like you said, how can you set the values and how can you be the one that's in the driver's seat? So Mike, I think when I think about this, I think it can be done at four different levels. And there is one position or one level, which you will see that I don't typically have a ton of value in. And that's because it is so deep that I cannot really do that in that position. It doesn't matter. There's too many wide receivers. Now, if you're talking about the other things, right? Quarterback, obviously when you're playing super flex, unless I don't play in one quarterback leagues, um, so I'll, I'll give you my values on them, but I don't play in them. So understand that that's not my forte. But when it goes to super flex, quarterback is a absolute position that you can hoard. And because it's so scarce and necessary for the winning teams, you can push values when, when you have those assets and also have a plethora. Even at running back, Mike, I, I have a few teams where I right now have five or six of the running backs that I would consider in that top 15 range. And better believe I don't plan to have all of them when the season comes along, right? I can manipulate the market and somebody that needs a running back at the right time, my plan is to move that for a quarterback or a different position or even picks. That's the other thing, Mike, right? At tight end, you brought that one up. That's a weird position because the top ones are so scarce. So there's a a lot of times I will try to get three, two or three especially of the top five guys. What makes that different though, Mike, is this. I now have an excess and they're expendable, right? So unless it's in a two tight end setting, I now have two of the top five. So I'm one of the only ones that has a top five that can trade one 
And then I still have probably some kind of a tight end to backfill. So I'm still safe to trade at a excess price for what I paid. And then also the same thing is always done with picks, but with wide receivers, because it runs so deep, I just don't feel like I can get that same type of market manipulation with that position. I think you hit a couple of good points there on the head for me. One, I'll, t- I'll touch on the wide receivers like you did. Uh, we did the uh, the shit four startup, right? The number four, I don't know, just the actual snake draft startup, not all the auction leagues that we've done, not the C2C. So just number four of like snake draft startups for our patrons. And because we're drafting with patrons and you, like everybody who listens to us, wide receivers are readily available, right? So I kind of went with the uh, zig while everybody else is zagging strategy, and I went wide receiver ballistic went absolutely crazy i look at that team now adam and like i'm gonna write it out because i want to see what i can do with it in the future with that kind of strategy but we're looking at having like chase jefferson lamb dk metcalf dj moore Traylon burks like i have a lot of top wide receiver assets but I don't know how much leverage I actually have when it comes towards trading, just because, like you mentioned, the position's so deep. Like, I look at some of the other people's wide receiver cores, and they don't look like they're hurting at all. They look completely fine. They look completely normal. They look like they're doing just fine at the wide receiver position for the most part. Like, maybe they lack a stud here or there. Um, but they're serviceable. When I do this with other positions, like you mentioned, quarterback, Right off the jump, it's an easy one to do. Elite tight ends, easy one to do. Running backs, for me, when I look at it too, like there's really only about like 15 guys that I like. I feel good about having on my team. In best ball, you get a little bit more, right? You get some of the turds in there. You get the the Naheem Hines. You get the Kenny Gainwells. You get these kind of like scat backs where you're like, man, I hope he gives me like a week or two. Or you get the the Ronald Joneses of the world, like those kind of guys where like, I'm just hoping he has like one spike week and falls in the end zone a couple times and like, it'll be worth it for what I paid for him in a lineup league though. And if I can corner, you know, four, five, six of those top 15 in my mind assets, this brings me to the second part that you said, the ability to trade one of those away without needing to get one back. Because every time that I make trades in my leagues, I find it so disgusting when people send me one-for-one deals and they're position to position. Like, it's just a matter of how I rank at that point, right? Like, occasionally, you know, it'll be a guy that, you know, I have personally a tier or two tiers down. Somebody sends uh, or somebody's asking for me for somebody that I have, you know, ranked higher. So I'm like, perfect. You right. Know, I'll take the free up tier. I like this dude better anyways. But... Most right. of the time, it's like stuff that's within the same tier. I'll give you an example. I got an offer of uh, Jason Corbin for my Ky- Kyron Williams. Now, neither of these dudes are sexy, right, Adam? But I think everybody kind of agree they're just in a tier of turds. So, like, what's my incentive to do one for one? I don't have any. In the scheme of, like, trading when you have an abundance of positions, so if we go to, like, the uh, the better assets, the ones people actually care about, Quarterback's an easy one. I, I've heard a billion people talk about in Superflex, like, I'm not trading away a quarterback unless I get one back. Like, it just has to be something back. Right? I'll trade away a quarterback. I find it so much more beneficial to me when I have four or five of these guys, and I can send one away. And if it's like you and I, Adam, doing a deal, 
I don't want a damn quarterback back from you. I don't want you to pollute the deal <laughs> with your Jimmy Garoppolo, with your Sam Darnold, feel like you're doing me a favor. I want to go after your running back and something. I want to go after your receivers. I want to go after your tight end. Like, I want to kick you in the teeth where it hurts, knowing that you need a quarterback, and I want to fill another spot on my roster. But you can do the same thing I find with running backs, and you can do the same thing I find with elite tight ends where I'm going to want an abundance of those positions. Like, I want a top 5S tight end on my roster. If I don't have one, then it's just a bunch of turds. But if I'm going out and, like, trading for one, and you got like a fringe guy, like say like uh, Dallas Goddard or Pat Fryermuth. Generally, like Adam, if I just have one George Kittle, I'll be like, man, I'm gonna need like Goddard back plus something, right? Right. And because I'm getting a decent enough tight end back from you, the plus that I get isn't that isn't that sexy, isn't that appealing. Where if I have Waller and Kittle, and you come to me and you're like, I'll take one of them. I don't care which one, but I want one of them. Perfect. You keep your Dallas Goddard. You keep your Pat Fryermuth, and let me go get an equivalent player at another position. Like maybe I am hurting at wide receiver, so I'm going to go get uh, Devonte Adams and a plus from you. Right? I know you need a tight end badly. I need some wide receiver help, so maybe I can get something in the comparable range with my tight end and get something else on added onto it. So I think you brought up two fantastic points about that when you're when you're trading with an abundance but i think it all leads into that if you have it it's such a good way to to kind of dictate value within your league like you don't i mean you have to make some minor adjustments everybody does like you have to know your league mates and understand them but i see too many people being like well they don't value quarterbacks in my league all right we'll teach them the hard way (laughs) if they don't like you set the market you can teach them. You can teach them how bad it is to roll into a playoff game and the only thing you got is a Baker Mayfield. You can teach them how upsetting it is when Russ goes down for five weeks and they thought they were just fine with two quarterbacks and now they're starting some turd wide receiver in their super flex spot. You can teach them how bad it is when they didn't have any depth behind their okay-ish tight end like Dallas Goddard Maybe he misses a game, and now they're forced to start, uh, you know, Hayden Hurst, last year's Hayden Hurst. Or, or you remember, like, us. This is this is taking a shot at us, too, but we remember how when we went into the year, we thought Anthony Ferkster was going to be a thing. And if he yeah. was, like, our backup tight end, we're like, cool. Well, could you imagine having somebody who went down and missed a couple weeks? Like, maybe it was a George Kittle who missed his time, and now you're you're, you're like, oh, shit, all I got on my team is Anthony Ferkster. <laughs> Now when you go to the guy with the tight end, if you're that guy, you can set the market, right? You can adjust, you can make them pay the price, or they can rack up the losses, right? Pay exactly. me or take the L. That's simple as that. So I think it's great, but I, I've just heard a lot lately, you know, like in trade discussion, my league doesn't do this, my league doesn't do that. And I, I'm just thinking to myself, Yes, but no, because in a lot of our leagues, not even ones that we're in together, like my random leagues, Adam, I always feel like I'm setting the market for the most part. Like I will adjust to what other people do, but I want to be the the alpha dog in the room, right? I want to be the guy who's like, nah, like I ain't doing that. I ain't trading for that. I ain't. And I'm not going to adjust or take less 
just because people think I should. You know, if you don't value them the same way, that's fine. Keep it moving. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. And and I think that that's such a good point, right? Because listen, if you're in a super flex league and the scoring appropriately, it's not one of these where you know, it's like four point per passing touchdown and there's heavy negative. So the quarterbacks don't score well after a certain number. If they're not valuing the market correctly, like you said, guess what? That's fine. You take the value and eventually there will be a point to which the value of the players actually come through. And even if your league's not truly valuing them, they will be forced to see one, the value when they need them. And two, how hard it is to get when there's not a surplus to go get. So I think that's why for me, Mike, like when I'm in startups or in auctions, this is something for me that I think is different than just ADP. Think that's different than just who do I want here as far as starting a lineup. A lot of times I am looking to in the startup or in the auction, find what I think is based on the correct values where is my leverage to be played? Because, listen, I think a lot of times when we are doing startups or we're doing auctions, we're thinking about our starting lineup so fast. We're so quick. It's just what we do. It's natural. All right, my tight end's full. My flexes are full. My running back's full. Man, I like this squad, right? Okay. Are you the type of person that's going to let that team that you drafted ride for 10 weeks? Like Hell no. a, 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 anybody listening here, like if that, if that's truly who you are, then that's, a, then that's fine. But for me, and I think for a lot of people listening, the reality is you're not going to do that. And even for the people that say, yes, I am going to do that. Maybe you do if everything is right for you, but guess what happens? Bye weeks, injuries, disappointments in players. Some of your players will pop ultimately. But the point is I don't draft my team when I'm drafting it, whether it's auction or startup, strictly for my starters, right? That's something we talk about all the time. Draft for value, trade for lineups. And the same principle actually is value for me when I'm thinking of my edge. And a lot of times that's okay. I drafted Kyle Pitts. Typically you would say, all right, now I'm done drafting tight end. If everything goes according to plan and the board falls the right way, I'll be done drafting tight end probably till round 10 or 12. But man, if I'm sitting in round six and I have Kyle Pitts and I see Waller still out there, most people are going to be like, oh, I'm not doing tight end again. Why not? Waller's a value. Even if it's a lineup league, Mike, I can press the button on Darren Waller as a flex position in a tight end premium league and I'm not screwed, right? Like in super flex, if you have two stud quarterbacks, you can press the button on both of them. Even if you have a third you can't press the button on that player, but we know the value of trading on that player is big. So like to me, I'm drafting a lot of times with a, what is my leverage point going to be after this is over with to find a way to get more value into my lineup. Another thing that I thought about when, when just kind of thinking about this, uh, the strategy, like setting the market to like, especially with QB horde, like one of the biggest things I've always heard is, what happens if nobody trades for it? Adam, I think that's a pretty rare thing. I think it just, some leagues last, some leagues hold out longer than others, right? Some leagues, you know, might make it to week three or four, week five. And then all it takes is that one person to cave. 
that one person in the cave to just open the floodgates on like then oh man i gotta chase this guy now like i need a quarterback (laughs) then the other guy goes oh i need a quarterback too we've seen it in startups here especially recently right when i uh when i push kind of towards that all-in direction or you kind of pull towards the uh the productive struggle we're generally like some of the first ones to the party aren't we like that that's that's why we do it like Hey, I see an opportunity here. I want to be first to the party. More more often than not, we're going to be first, yeah. The ones I always laugh at are the ones who chase. And, and maybe not the second guy who chases, but definitely the third guy. Because the deal isn't as good. It's always worse. <laughs> They're always taking less than what the first guy got. So you are late on the gun <laughs> on the starting block. And now you, you're starting further back than the other guy did. Yep. That's a that's a shitty spot to be. Same kind of thing applies to league trade dynamics. Where if you're running some sort of horde or leverage play, and the first guy makes the trade, for whatever reason, people get trade envy. They get pushing their chips in envy, you know, just on the competitive side. And there always seems to be one or two more people who want to chase. You know, that guy who really shouldn't, who's maybe sitting at two and two and just barely squeaked out two wins. And now he's looking at somebody else who kind of pushed their chips in, maybe got a quarterback or maybe went and got a an elite tight end or one of these top 15 running backs. And they go, oh, I can do that too. But then when you go to the guy again it's and try to make a trade, like for somebody who has got the leverage play, the market's kind of already been established. Like the first one's got set. It's like you got to meet this or give me anything better. And by that time, maybe there's another manager who's also talking to this guy at the same time, going like, "I'll give you this." <laughs> now you got two competing offers going on at the same time. So the deal's not going to be worse than the first one that got set, right? It's not gonna. Yeah. It's not ever gonna be. And I always find myself too, like I, especially when I do QB horde, Adam, like. I have an idea in my head of like market and I've always found that the first guy who caves and sends me a trade for a quarterback, generally I cut him a pretty reasonable deal. Like it's, they're not getting a discount, but I'm giving them a reasonable deal, right? Because I want that. I kind of subconsciously and some unconsciously, I want to get the train rolling. Right. right. I I kind of want the rest of the league to cave. If you, if you crushed them right away, you're going to end up not getting that first deal done, right? So yeah. you, you want to make it where it's still advantageous to you, but you also don't want to have, when you're doing a true horde, you're talking like five, six, seven of them. You don't want to make everyone have to pay so far above asking. I think this is where it can go wrong too. So far above what's reasonable. Now it's like, okay, you're going to keep all of them then. But if you get the one deal done like you're talking about, now all of a sudden the second guy comes, price went up just a little bit because now I'm down to four. You know, it's such an interesting dynamic, but I mean, I mean, we spent 15, 20 minutes talking about it, which is just a random thought that popped in my head right before we came on was about it and the dynamics of it and something that I kind of wanted to talk about and discuss. Like, I don't think it's full show worthy, but it was a good discussion about it, which leads me into the next thing kind of on these dynamics of these leagues, a little bit of a, a similar kind of concept here, Adam, but player shares 
right? So this is going to be more on the personal level across the leagues. You know, last year, you and I, we ran into the issue where we really love Cam Akers. We really loved Travis Etienne. We really loved uh, DeAndre Swift came back to bite us in the ass towards the end of the year. The beginning of the year, we're like, shit, I wish I had more DeAndre Swift. The end of the year, we're like, damn, wish I didn't have so many shares. This year, have you made a conscious effort to kind of keep track, to diversify, to expand your portfolio maybe away from some? Because I pulled mine up today, and I was kind of shocked at where I was on some things. And, And maybe it's just because these players have been such values to me. I haven't been actively trying to go out and get them. It's just, holy hell, it's just been so easy. But this year, have you made more of a conscious because of the burning that we took, the ass beating that we took last year on Akers and Dobbins and, uh, you know, our boy DeAndre Swift there, you know, when it really counted, (laughs) when it really counted. Yeah, he unfortunately was not a league winner because his great weeks were early and then he was hurt and then he came back for the championship, but... One, if you had him as a stud for yourself, you probably didn't make the championship. And even if you did and you put him in the lineup, he was not used enough to even matter. So to answer, I would say this, man, I've thought about it enough. And there there have been points to where definitely I've pivoted or even if I'm overexposed, I've tried to trade some. But I still, Mike, I would say this, although I've cleaned it up some, man, there are there's 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 a handful where it's like, damn it. I'm overexposed and I don't care because this is where I stand. These are my guys, if you will. This is the ATM. This is when you go to the ATM and you press the button. Maybe that ATM doesn't have the fives or the tens, but damn it, it's got 20s. And that's, you know, these players right here. I I will say this. This came up because I was listening to uh, Scott and Eric's pod. And when, when Scott talks to, like, he always talks about his portfolio as a whole. And then, like, he, he's he's right there to give you a, a share percentage, right? How many shares? And, like, you know, sometimes when he's talking about something, he, you know, he, he hints that maybe he's overweight. And then the number of shares is, like, 20%. And when he says it, I always feel like an asshole because I look at some of my share percentages and I'm like, if he's talking about possibly being overweight at 20%, oh, boy. Some of these guys where I got 40%. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, I, I don't feel like I've learned my lesson at all, Adam. I feel like I'm right back to where I was last year. Now, maybe it's in a different field. Because my most owned player in all of Dynasty, my most owned player in all of Dynasty, Kenny Pickett. Okay. He hadn't even played a snap yet. What do you get? What's your percentage? 40%. 12 shares of Mr. Kenny fucking Pickett. I'll say this. He's a first pager for me. He's not my number one, but uh, damn near right there with you, buddy. And probably the reality of this, if you're listening, is of all these leagues, Mike and I are in a ton of them together. So when he's got 40 and I have 33%, seven shares, man, I bet you on the leagues we're in, Mike, we're over 50. We're probably 60% if you combine those, like the actual leagues that we're in together. Right. It's It's a really good possibility. Or if you go into a league where Adam and Mike are in it, one of those two dudes, one of us, has Kenny Pickett somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So I'm up there. Another guy who's at forty percent, and and this is probably just from last year, man. And then and then also, how many times in startups this year 
have I gotten him in like the 20 plus round and it's just cuz it's a guy I liked last year still kind of like him this year it's Hunter Long it's yeah it's Hunter Long and don't get me wrong like I'm I'm starting to get the warm and fuzzy feelings when they basically just dumped Shaheen to Houston and then he failed his physical and he's back he's probably just getting cut and then all this about Mike Gusecki going in line and being more of a blocker you're going to find out real quick that that ain't Mike Kosecki's role and who who who's a better player at doing what they're trying to get Kosecki to do than Hunter Long. Right? The uh I think the comp is to like Jason Witten. So yeah. I'm I'm in on that. I'm in on Hunter Long. I'm, I'm still there. His cost is nothing. That though, cost, like, right. Yeah, That's Kenny Pickett's cost is actually one of substance. <laughs> it's, right. it's, I'm spending Anywhere from like the 103 in a rookie draft or maybe getting him at the 107, 108 if he falls and I just didn't have a pick early. Or maybe I'm trading up like I've done before. Or in a startup, Adam, I'm looking at spending a sixth, seventh round pick on him. I know I know you've taken him a shit ton in like the sixth, seventh round in these startups that we've done. So yeah. I'm actually putting something of substance behind Kenny Pickett. So. When I look at like Hunter Long, like forty percent, all right, who cares? Kenny Pickett, on the other hand, at forty percent, if he shits the bed, like I'm actually losing something tangible. If Hunter Long does nothing, doesn't matter. I got him in like the third or fourth round last year in rookie drafts. I'm taking him in the twenty plus round here, or I'm just getting him as a toss in on a trade. Yikes. A little bit concerning when I look at it. Are you concerned at all? about our Kenny Pickett love at all you wavering I'm not wavering now I mean Mike here's the thing for me I think of these seven shares a handful of them have come like you said like more in that seventh round I remember I've got them at least once or twice in the eighth round in startups oh baby and then there there were at least one or two where I took them more like that 103 to 105 range but even still, Mike, I mean, in this class, like I'm not, I'm not that worried about that. Given who was on the board, you know, some of these receivers. Listen, at seven shares for me, yeah, I could, I could get burned if he doesn't do well. But I feel like overall, my my shares are high because I believe that the cost is too low, and I think that's honestly reflective of why I'm so in on Kenny Pickett. Where people are probably like, dude, what are you doing, Kenny Pickett, man? Mitch Trubisky's gonna start over him. Listen, I think I think a lot of this so far is way too early to tell on Kenny Pickett. Like, if we're judging him at this point in the preseason, like, I don't know if you ever heard the Mac Jones story, guys, but um, Mac Jones was, you know, oh, Cam Newton's the incumbent. He's going to play behind him for sure. Maybe maybe by half halfway through the season he's going to come in. And even then he'll probably be, you know, eh, meh. How'd that work out? Cam Newton gets cut. Mac Jones, I mean, listen, you probably don't love him on the contender, but he was one of the be- the best quarterbacks last year as far as production and still a good quarterback, too, for a lot of people. For, for me, I'm not panicking on Kenny Pickett at all. And I think if you're panicking on a rookie like Kenny Pickett this early, like I just, I, I wouldn't be panicking this early, even if you don't like him. I'm happy that he came out and... And put up good numbers. We were at the expo, so we didn't get to actually watch it. I had to catch up everything secondhand after the fact. But 
as far as preseason week one went, I don't think there was a question in anybody's mind who the best rookie quarterback performance was. And I don't know, I think it was pretty close as far as preseason goes for all quarterbacks. He had one of the highest quarterback ratings amongst everybody. Now, I want to see it when he does this following week, when it's more of a real game feel, like the second preseason game, kind of being the more of the uh, dress rehearsal kind of deal. And see if he gets some more run with the ones, and then kind of see how he looks. But by all reports, and from what I saw, Kenny Pickett performed well. I'm not panicked on Kenny Pickett at all. I would say the only hesitation of the panic that I have coming into play at him is just when I look at the number of Kenny Pickett shares I have. Like, I'm still feeling good about the way he's playing, but there is that... What if he shits the bed? <laughs> right? mm-hmm. like we've seen mm-hmm. we've seen rookie quarterbacks come out and play well in the preseason or play well in the training camp, and then they get into actual real games, and it's like they're just deer in the headlights, just yeah. gone. So, uh, well, okay, good, good point. I, let, let me say this then, Mike, about what my plans are. I think the other thing too is, I think people need to kind of have an idea. Like at least I try to. This is one thing I would say suggest is. Like, what's your plan if you're overweight on somebody? Or why, when you're in on, like, I don't plan to have all these shares of Kenny Pickett all year. Now, granted, listen, what's going to happen? How it's going to play out? When Kenny Pickett's going to start? When he's going to play well? I am not in control of that. So I'll fully admit to you I don't know that. But what I can tell you is this right now, Mike. If he was a starting quarterback, he would not be valued and not be being drafted in round eight of startups. So I can promise you that just from the day that he's announced the starter... There's a value bump right there. Guaranteed. It's going to happen. For That's sure. a value bump, right? And then on top of that, I think you're probably right, right? Like if he shits the bed, not going to be good. But here's what I do know. I think it's pretty unlikely that Kenny Pickett has horrible games the whole season. Like what I'm looking to do is probably sell a couple shares, two-ish, around the time when he gets that starting job, especially on a few of my rebuilders. And then I'm probably going to look to sell a couple more, at least one, off of said pop week. Even if, you know, it doesn't look great. Somebody will need a quarterback in Superflex going back to your initial point. Because I think this is something to tie it all in. Mike, there's going to be somebody that's like, oh shit, man, I had Mitch. Somebody drafted some gross-ass dogs, right? Some of these damn dogs that are going to do nothing, like a... They, maybe they drafted Jimmy G earlier and they thought he was going to start. Now they're relying on Mitch Trubisky at quarterback too. And Kenny Pickett takes over the reins. Somebody's going to need a quarterback. And if Kenny Pickett's coming off a of pop week, I think I can sell for even more. I mean, we looked at hit rates, right, for quarterbacks. And we came away going like, quarterback's probably the safest bet in your rookie drafts. Just is. It's the safest investment. So this is from the quarterback perspective where he's got to be absolutely dog shit horrible for him to lose value on what we spent on him this year, which is still something of substance, but not detrimental. You know, when when we think back to last year, what we mentioned earlier, J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, Travis Etienne. Like, we're spending top three round startup picks on these dudes. That's Those, those, those that ones were yikes. Teeth. Yeah, that, those were that yikes. was a kick yeah. in the teeth. All right. So that's like from the quarterback. Let's pivot to another position where you could see more of a value loss that would actually hurt quite a bit from what we were spending earlier. And for me, 
the first one of real value where I go, oh shit, starting to get a little worried. Antonio Gibson, thirty-three percent. Adam is where I'm sitting at with him, and mm-hmm. it keeps going up, and it keeps going up because I keep getting weird deals done where people just send me whatever. <laughs> like, I I'll give you Antonio Gibson, you give me a ham sandwich and a bag of chips, and I get I'm a fat guy, so I have plenty of ham sandwiches and bag of chips laying around. Adam, so it keeps yeah. going up. So I'm feeling better about the shares that I have acquired as of late because it doesn't cost me a whole lot but not gonna lie those earlier shares like if you were to look at uh if this was a stock right my average cost is still pretty high because some of those earlier ones cost a lot sure the startups this offseason those are not gonna be good what do you think about a position that's not quarterback and it's a running back going into his third year right because i would say there's a much bigger chance for value loss than a rookie quarterback like Kenny Pickett on Fully a third-year running back. Fully agreed. Are you getting worried? Like, if, if you were sitting here, if you're me, yeah. and you just looked at it and you saw 33% of your roster ship has Antonio Gibson on it. So, I'll tell you this. Um, part of the reason I don't have 33% is because we're in leagues together. A lot of times when I'm trying to contend and you are, you're going to get him before I do. Cause we both value him high, but you do a little, a little higher. And then in rebuilds, I don't have him on any rebuilds. Right? So a lot of times you'll see my running back shares. Yep. So here's what you're going to see, Mike, if I have a high running back share, what that means is because I don't tend to roster them on my rebuilds. What that means is I'm really fucking in because that means those are my contender builds. And I have a and I have a running back, right? I have twenty four shares, twenty four percent, Mike. So that's five shares of Antonio Gibson. So now to answer your question, if I'm you or if I'm even me here, because I have some shares of him, right? Five shares, Mike. I think here's the thing. Am I getting a little worried? Yeah, I told you all along. My concern with Antonio Gibson wasn't necessarily him; it was more Rivera and how they're going to use him. And I'll be honest, the one thing that last year was a little troublesome was the fumbles, right? Eight fumbles, six lost. Yep. And now all of a sudden, like this man's just, the fumbles are seeming to be back. And I know Ron Rivera is one of these old school guys and he just took Brian Robinson. I still am betting on the talent, Mike. And then when the situations play out in the games and still very early in preseason, Gibson's explosiveness and athleticism is going to take care of that. Here's what I would say though. Even if you are panicked, because I'm not panicked. I, am I a little worried? Yes. But what are you going to do? Because he, you looking at if you're looking at it as stock, right? What do you believe in that stock? What do you believe in the product? What do you believe in its future? Are you saying everybody right now? I think this is one thing to really consider on a guy like Gibson or, or anyone that takes a volatile swing downward that's not on a season-ending injury, right? What do I think is really going to happen in the future? Do I believe that all this panic is warranted and he's going to be toast? Because right now, Mike, what you're going to trade him for is that basically he's season's over before it started. Like you're going to get out at this stock. Like you're saying it's going to go to the fucking ground and let me at least get something before it goes to complete zero. That's how you're going to trade or that's how you're going to treat Antonio Gibson as a stock. If you trade him right now. So, 
it depends for me on what you believe in Antonio Gibson. If you believe his role is going to be significantly diminished to the point where he is not worth a damn in fantasy, I guess maybe you trade him now, but man, you're going to be trading at a big loss. At the same time, if you think he's going to be completely dog shit and worthless, getting something is better than getting nothing. But for me, I'm not totally panicked. We haven't... It's, it's so weird because we haven't even seen a game since from where I was buying in February and March at those prices. We haven't even seen a game at him. And, and he hasn't been... He hasn't like snapped an Achilles. He hasn't torn his ACL. He hasn't been arrested. He hasn't gotten in a bar fight. He hasn't done anything of that nature. And the value fall has been so much. And I think because I believed in him so much early, I haven't seen anything extremely tangible to make me worry. Like I, if it was a major, like if he snapped his Achilles and that's why the value was fault, we had said it last year, and I think it was the right play. We were getting out of Cam Akers. We were getting out of J.K. Dobbins. We were getting out of Travis Etienne for like any first that we could get the following year, right? On our contenders. It's not the same situation with Antonio Gibson, and I think that's the thing that gives me the most pause. It's like, why am I selling? And you hit it on the head. Like I still have that belief that I don't think the stock's going to zero. I don't think it's going to absolute zero. So why am I selling now? Like, why am I panic selling now? It's, it'd be a different case if it was like a Zeke Elliott, if it was an Aaron Jones, if it was a Leonard Fournette, like these kind of running backs where we look at them and go, man, they may have one year left. Right. Maybe. Right. Maybe two if you're lucky. But if they were just completely dust and just out of it this year, no one would be shocked. Like, that stock could go to zero, zero this year. I don't think Gibson's stock's going to zero. He's too talented and too young for that stock just to go to rock bottom. So why cut all my losses? Like, and you, you hit it. It's almost like you're stuck. You're just, you're just stuck. Like, I... Absolutely, Adam. If you ask me right now, Mike, would you like to get off some of your Antonio Gibson? A hundred fucking percent I would, Adam. A hundred percent. I would love to get off of some of them. But I ain't getting shit. I ain't getting, like, what what people are going to offer me is not worth my time. It's not worth my time. He has value sunk so much that I, I, I actually heard Scott Connor say it. Say the words, and he loves running. He loves wide receivers. He hates running backs. Gibson has gotten to the point where he's a buy for him. I didn't yeah. think that would and happen. So, so Mike, th- th- all right, here, here. This is a really good point, man, because I know we had a couple times throughout the year last year. I tasted it basically with Acres, right? And that was in the off season, and then when I had Swift, a lot of my overexposure. Then I tasted it on the back end. So now I was losing on both sides of it, right? So it's like, there was a point there where I'm like, man, I drafted so well on some of these teams, but like, there was a couple contenders I know for sure. I drafted both of them, and then I had to recover off of Acres. What do I fill that void with? And then Swift goes down. It's like, fuck, man, that really hurt me. So it's like, I was thinking at that time, maybe a little diversification, right? I'll be honest with you. I still have a ton of shares of both these guys, but... When I say that, here's the thing, Mike. 
when you have those gifts and shares, right? Because you had a shit ton of them. And I have some of these with these other guys. The problem with the overexposure is this. If there is a, a, a drop in value, now what you're missing out on is you either have to overexpose yourself to the point where your portfolio is fucking crazy. Or when the buy window goes low, now you're like, I don't want to buy in more because I already have so many shares. But if I don't buy in more, I'm, I'm not making the bet that I already made. So you're kind of like, like you said, you're stuck. Whereas even if you love Gibson and you had maybe 25 or 20% shares, right? More in that reasonable but bold range. Now this dip comes and it's like, okay, y'all don't y'all want to pay Gibson? Watch this. I'll go buy these cheap ass shares and get myself to 33, 40%. And now you're bullish on somebody. But when I think sometimes I've been thinking about this when I'm too bullish on someone and I'm drafting them at these top five, six round prices and higher. When there is maybe a dip, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to get it because you already are so high. Or if you do, you're going to be making such a strong bet that it's really into your portfolio. Everybody else that I have like worth a shit on my shares, Adam is, has been diversified. And I think that's where like last year kind of came into play where I'm not too over my skis on a lot of these guys. Like, you know, you and I we're we're big into Saquon Barkley on the rebound. Right. Yeah. But I'm only sitting at 23%, seven shares across all my leagues. I'm in, but it's also the point like I'm holding out a couple. I'm just waiting for the season to start and him to do something. And then those will be gone and I'll be down to like four shares and it's going to be on contenders. And, you know, if, if it doesn't work out, oh, well, like I'm good guys that we like, uh, younger running backs, you, I kind of, we talked about Akers and Swift and J.K. Dobbins and ETN, but I love Javante. <laughs> I love Javante, and I can't wait to get the jersey from Jeff when I win my bet. But I'm only at 20% on him. He just kind of reached a point where I was like, I love you, but your cost hasn't gone down. <laughs> I just uh, I just can't do it again this year where I'm at 30 40%. I can't do that self, I can't do that to myself again. The only other player that I looked at my player shares and went, oh shit, I don't know if this is good or bad, is Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. We are damn near 30% on Ryan Tannehill. And granted, kind of like Kenny Pickett, the cost isn't too crazy, but it's still a worthwhile asset that you have to spend to get Ryan Tannehill. Do you have any concern about Ryan Tannehill? Right? Because it's not like Kenny Pickett's situation where it's a rookie quarterback and people give him a pass and we kind of see what it is. If Ryan Tannehill comes out and plays like shit, the calls are going to be loud for Malik Willis. And this very well could be Ryan Tannehill's last year playing NFL football. Mm-hmm. If you have a guy in this situation... Are you a little bit more panicked when you're overweight on him? Like, do you see more of a downside if something bad happens sitting at even 30% say? Sure. I think, yeah, there, there you have to kind of, I mean, yeah, there's, listen, Kenny Pickett has downside and risk, but for different reasons, right? Yes. With Ryan Tannehill, here's the thing with Kenny Pickett. 
I think right now people are not realizing or basically assuming that upside does not exist at all. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you Kenny Pickett has top five quarterback upside. That's not the type of upside I'm saying. But I'm saying that I think he's reasonably got a chance to be in that quarterback 15, maybe even 12 mix at some point. Right? Not right away, but as he shows and progresses with good weapons on a good coach football team and a team that has a lot of success when you look at their history. Right? For me, that's why I'm making the bet on Kenny Pickett. With Ryan Tannehill, he was a guy I got out on a lot of my shares of him. Let me, I'd have to pull it up here and take a look. I'm scrolling quite a ways. I do know, here we go. So here's where I'm at, Mike. I got four shares, right? So I'm at 19%. It's not horribly low. Like I'm still 19%. It's not like I'm out. My thing is this, right? Right, Mike, with, with Ryan Tannehill, those four shares, I can basically guarantee you one, they're contenders. Two, he's probably my quarterback three. Maybe on one of these, he's my quarterback two in best ball, where I'm just one quarterback that's good, and I'm throwing three quarterback two, quarterback threes, and hoping that the best ball side plays out. I got out of a lot of my Ryan Tannehill shares at points last year, even when it wasn't great. I'll say this, though. Right now, Mike, similar to Gibson, like, am I worried about having overexposure to Ryan Tannehill if I'm you? Yeah. But once again, like, assess the situation. I'm going to guess, Mike, you have some of those where it's a quarterback horde. You're looking yep. to try to trade some of them out. I'm going to guess a fair amount of those are he's your quarterback two, quarterback three, probably quarterback three in best ball, right? Yep. So understanding, I think, for these, the team, what I'm doing, what's my direction, and then ultimately how you're going to get out because you're not going to get out of Ryan Tannehill for some great value. Shit, man, you're drafting him later than a first-round value in startups. And you're not getting it first. So the question becomes, yeah, but what are you going to do? Like, I think in the season, maybe, if he's coming off of a decent week and you can find a way to up-tier at quarterback and maybe put it in a package deal, sure. But, like, right now, trading Ryan Tannehill, I don't know how or how you pull it off, man. Do you think – because it would be tough to sell Ryan Tannehill for just picks, right? I don't think – Anybody's going to give you a pick that you really want. And it's in that weird zone where it's like, I mean, just any second just doesn't do it for me. I'd rather just have Tannehill. But he's not worth a first. Correct. Do you think that's kind of the play where you package him with a pick of your own to either go up to a player or go up to a premium pick? You know what I mean? So Yes. Like, I believe in Zach Wilson. Unfortunately, but looking at my shares, I'm only at 13%. I've only got a handful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could stand to have another share or two of Zach Wilson and still like feel good about it, even if he busts and he's dog shit. Yep. Do you think I send something like Tannehill in a second and go see if somebody's interested in giving me their Zach Wilson or a I Tua? Mean- so, well, all right. So, so I, I, let me answer this question in, in a different, in a way that I, I would say this, right? I, I would be trying to do one of two things. If I'm going to go up, I'm going to probably try to, like, if I'm going to actually pay up to go get a quarterback upgrade on a contender, if I'm a contender, I'd probably say, I'd try to see what it's going to cost to go from a Tannehill to a Cousins on a team that's a contender that needs a little bit of depth in the lineup, right? 
Maybe if you could on a Tua, that'd be great. But the problem is, I feel like the cost for someone like that, although Cousins and Tua on the contending side, you'd probably rather have Cousins. The age difference that you pay for Tua feels like, I don't know if you get it for the same price. But both those guys, yes. I would say this though, Mike. If you have any of them on a rebuilder or if it's one of these quarterback hordes or you're trying to trade him, I think we just talked about Pickett. I think that's a great pivot now because here's what's going to happen if if Kenny Pickett doesn't start. Maybe someone has a Kenny Pickett and is seeing him do nothing in their lineup. Mike, I'm looking at ADP. I'm I'm shocked where Kenny Pickett's fallen to. Mike, we're talking about 908 now for Kenny Pickett, man. Ryan Tannehill's 1002. You wait till wow. the right time in season. You Ryan Tannehill's playing and Kenny Pickett isn't. Maybe you can't make the deal straight up, but there probably is a chance you can. And if not, throw in something cheap to go ahead and get yourself Kenny Pickett as opposed to Ryan Tannehill. Um, but yeah, man, Ryan Tannehill for me is on a contender, that quarterback three type I want. But you have to understand the shelf life is, it's just so unlikely he does anything but tread water at best case scenario and probably loses value this year. So what about this move too? Like, and I've kind of been thinking about it more and more that I listen to Scott and Eric stuff, especially because it's just more geared towards portfolio mindset, volume trading, that kind of deal. What would you? And we we don't do this enough, I don't think, where we kind of look at it at the portfolio. But what if I pitch to you the fact that if I were to look at my entire portfolio of players I have, and if we just look at quarterbacks, I have. One share of Baker Mayfield, and I have three shares of Daniel Jones. What if you were to take something where you know you're overweight on a guy like Ryan Tannehill, like like I mentioned, and just if that was the best you could do, one for one. I, I would have thrown Jared Goff in there, but he's already at twenty percent. We ain't touching him. <laughs> like I don't need any more Jared Goff in my life. I'm good. No, but, thank you. But the quarterbacks who I only have a handful. So like Daniel Jones. Baker Mayfield. If if that was the best that you could do, what would you think about sending maybe one or two of your Ryan Tannehill just to diversify your portfolio as a whole and place a couple other bets somewhere else on a Baker bounce back in Carolina on a Daniel Jones, the, uh, all the practice reports actually being wrong. And he, you know, he actually comes out and looks somewhat competent this year. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing though okay this is where i think with uh when i look at like adps and stuff there's definitely points where it's like okay ryan Tannehill does cost more to acquire than baker mayfield but like if i'm gonna pivot from ryan Tannehill down to baker mayfield i'm looking at two rounds in startup value mike i'm going from 1002 to 1202 right here's the thing though like no one's paying you a plus to do that no. Nobody's nobody's paying pluses to go in this quarterback three range where this is where Ryan Tannehill starts, quarterback twenty five. Nobody's paying pluses to go from starting quarterbacks here in this range. So like if you can go down to Baker and get anything, sure, fine. But I guess the I guess the question there is like if you're gonna do it straight up it's really only for portfolio management because market's still telling you that there's two rounds value. People are still drafting them differently. The only difference is this Baker Mayfield has a better chance of if like if Baker Mayfield has a decent season, right? Like they win like seven games. He probably goes up in value. I don't really know how much, but maybe a little, 
Like Ryan Tannehill is going to have to be really good this year. Probably take them to the playoffs and totally resecure this job, which people assume is he's going to lose. And realistically, it looks like he could. So, like him going anywhere up in value is a very dicey proposition. Where Baker, I don't know. I don't know if it's likely, but he's young enough to where if he has a good season, he could go up in value. That's why I asked, like, if you had to, like, absolutely had to. Shit, I would, I would love from just a diversification thing, just to go down to, you know, give me Baker in a second, or give me Baker in two thirds, you know, give me Daniel Jones in two thirds, just from a diversification aspect, I would do that. Or, yes. like I mentioned, like a perfect one for me would be Jared Goff, but I'm already feeling like I'm capped on like I'm, my Goff. I'm, Gu- I'm Gucci on Jared good. Goff more, yeah. I'm good. Yeah, I mean, like. <laughs> Listen, especially in best ball, if you're getting even a little plus, like it's probably worth it from what they're going to do as far as weeks in your lineup and spike weeks. I bet you they don't look that different. So in best ball, like even if I'm getting a third type player or pick, gosh, man, if you gave me even shit, man, if I'm thinking about it, like MVS, Josh Palmer types, yeah, let's go ahead and give me that. So it's not a bad th- thing to think about if. You're trying to get out of your portfolio of how much you have, and you you explore up tiers, and it's not gonna you're not gonna be able to get it done for a reasonable price. Yeah, go ahead and see what the down tier gets you, even if it's something light. I like it, man. I like it. I uh, I just kind of explored it. I, this shit was all just off the cuff, like going, but that's how well we gel. We found that out when we were together for an entire week. <laughs> Sometimes uh, it's scary. It is. It's kind of scary how well we got along, just doing this, right? We, yeah. we did nothing but talk over video chat, or you know, when we first started out, there's no video, right? We just we get in a Discord channel, hit record, right? <laughs> but Mike, Mike didn't know what I looked like for like what six months of doing videos or uh, audios only. Pr- pretty close, pretty close. We're getting to hang out with you, your family. Being around you for a week. The expo was phenomenal. Getting to meet all the people that we got to meet there. Um, make some cool connections. Uh, doing a little bit of work. Uh, like a minor partnership with the All-22 guys. So I'm looking forward to doing more content on that and actually diving into some leagues. Hopefully we'll get one uh, fired up. And if everything goes right, we'll be done with it this weekend. But we'll see. Adam, I think that's about all I got. Right, a little bit of portfolio diversification here, and a little bit of setting the market in your leagues. So I'll, yep. I'll write up a nice little blurb here in the newsletter. If you haven't subscribed to the newsletter, the hell are you doing? <laughs> Why are you waiting? So much good free content in there from everybody. The Destination Devi team. You get Jeff, injuries, Dynasty berries out here giving you ADP, Ray out here doing all the stuff Ray does. Jay Rich doing all the stuff Jay Rich does. Eric, Scott, Ike, Gene, me and Adam, the whole crew, and we can't forget, the guy who I always read his stuff and go like, I wish I knew more about this. JB and his data. <laughs> JB yep. and the data. So yeah, man. make sure you see it. We I tried to do a good job, Adam, I know you do too, of tweeting it out, the link. Sign up, subscribe. It's an amazing amount of free content. I can't believe they give it away. It feels like they should be charging like $5 a newsletter 
They should have to pay it like Sunday paper, but they don't because they're crazy. <laughs> Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, the the newsletter is dope. The whole, the whole squad is really, really cool, man. And um, the Destination Debbie squad, Mike, is interesting because <laughs> there's a lot of different minds in there, right? Like there's times when we're talking and we know we're a little different in how we value things or certain deals than guys in there. But if you're listening to this Dynasty Degenerates and you're not subscribed to the newsletter, man, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice because truthfully, when you read that newsletter, there's so many different people in there and they all are bringing value in different ways. And the fact that it's free, like Mike, I can read through that and I don't know, depends if you're really reading or skimming, but being on the long side, 20 something minutes, you know, you go through that. You'll yeah. go through that 20 something minutes and man, there's so many different things that can just get your brain a little stirred and kind of thinking about ways to ultimately better yourself as a dynasty manager or even just fantasy football manager. And it gets you into the mindsets and little edges that all the people on our team can help provide. Man, the newsletter is awesome. The whole team's awesome. Being at the expo and meeting you, meeting all these guys in person. Um, listen, man, this is my squad till I die. Believe me when I tell you, like, if you're listening to this too, we are only going to continue to get better and gel more as a group and, uh, be very, very excited for the newsletter this season. All the things that we're going to continue to push to you content wise, it's going to be awesome. Hell yeah. One last thing, we'll just plug it before we bounce out of here, but the all 22 guys that we met at the expo. Uh, went up to their booth and talked to them. Really cool. If you like Madden, if you like Dynasty, you want to see them combine together and beat 11 other people's asses in those kind of leagues, go check it out. All 22. If you sign up with promo code Mike22, M-I-K-E-2-2, get you 40% off. And if you want more information on it, come check out our YouTube page. I did a nice like 36, 37-minute video. I'll be dropping content on that every single week. But Adam, that's going to do it for us. You know the deal. Take us out of here. You guys know what time it is by now. Just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess. That's going to do it. We're out of here. Peace.